Jewish Kevin Bacon is you're allergic to yourself. You can't. You can't have, I don't know what you're saying, but it's so funny. You can't. Can I know have, it's funny. Yeah. Isn't that funny? When you, it's kind of like music. Like I'm not really sure why I like it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The words are you not making describe. sense. Yeah. But that. But it's. I had such a vocabulary when I was a kid. When I was like three years old. I had so many words because I heard everything really well and I would repeat it, but I had no idea what it meant. And people would literally come to me and they'd say, Edward, think sense, make sense. And I didn't know what that meant either. So, but here I am still. Have you figured it out? No. Have you figured it out? No. (laughs) Still growing into my vocabulary. But, you know, people are listening and they're thinking, what is this? What am I listening to? And I am so excited that you are listening And I'll tell you something right now, listener, whoever you are, wherever you're sitting, we're going to talk today directly to you, directly to you, because this episode of Dear Anxiety is all about letters. We are responding to your letters, to things in your life that you wrote us. We're very grateful to you. The show is called Dear Anxiety. It's a show about how we relate to our thoughts and feelings. It's about mental well-being, mental wellness, emotional fitness. It's about teaching, learning together things that we can do, that we can actually practice, that happiness is a skill, that mental well-being is a practice. And I couldn't do that by myself because I can't, I'm not doing it by myself. But the great news is that Rini Jane is here and Rini has studied the science of well-being has studied applied positive psychology at the University of Pennsylvania with Martin Seligman, who's the father of, of applied positive psychology. And she has a company called GoZen, GoZen.com, G-O-Z-E-N, and creates this whole world of help around resilience, resilience, anxiety relief, mental health, happiness skills, resilient skills. And she does it through animation. She does it through creative play. And Rini, I know you're here, but I'm not sure where you are. I am here. I have arrived. Okay. I'm so excited about this. So I have to tell you something. You know, every week we say, send us messages, send us emails, send us your letters, send us your stories. And we were getting a bunch of them. And then radio silence. And we were like, hey, what's going on? Well, guess what? (laughs) We had a technical glitch. And for some reason, the notifications that you get when someone sends something in, they were turned off. So we went into the form software. I know this is really exciting, right? (laughs) (laughs) We went into the form software and we looked and we were like, oh my goodness, so many people have been writing in. So we are here to respond to you. Thank you for writing in. Sorry for the glitch, but we're really excited. Thank you for sharing your stories. Some of them are just inspirational stories and others are questions. Well, what's great is to get very personal. It's always very personal because we talk about personal issues. We talk, we're talking about, you know, we're talking about mental health, what goes on in your mind, what goes on in your heart. And so, and how you live every day, how you cope, how you, how you approach things, what your, what your philosophy is, how you take care of yourself, how you talk to yourself. These are all the things that we, that we look at. So I don't know where you want to start, but do you want to, do you, shall we alternate or do you want me to read them or what do you think? Yeah, we can do either one. You want to read? So how about you read the first one? You Are you on I'll, the letter I'll page? take the first one. I am. Okay. I am. My site okay. is not as good as it was uh, last year. 
So Okay, blow it up really, really big. Yeah, I'm trying. And I'm read trying. It. I'm trying. Okay, here's our first letter. And it goes like this. Wow. This submission is about acne and how I can strip a teen of their how it can strip a teen of their self-esteem. Oh, I'm familiar with that. My son was someone who had healthy self-esteem. He was raised to find his worth from within. Maybe that's the one thing that saved him. He has had cystic acne for three years. In that time, we've noticed his once confident, happy, vibrant self withdraw. He kept socializing with his friends as he never wanted to miss out, but his inner world was dark, thoughts of self-loathing, lack of worthiness. He's experienced panic attacks, derealization, which was the scariest space to be in as his parents, but it's so tricky to navigate. We've taken him to a dermatologist for his skin, psychs for his mind and emotions, hypnotherapy to, to help soothe, but it's all linked to the trigger, which is acne, which he is reminded of every time he looks in the mirror. He has even begun to lose his hair because of the emotional strain of all of this. I wish I knew some way to help him. The bouts of anxiety and depression run deep, but he is so good at masking it all. Please offer any words of wisdom, as I know there is a whole community of acne kids who feel rejected for not being perfect. Well, first of all, I want to cry. That's the first thing. Because I can't, I, I can't, it's so awful to hear anybody going through this kind of suffering, okay? So, Rini, your appearance, your physical appearance, how can we, how, what can we do for, for them? It's so amazing to me how we can be these abundant, light, beautiful beings capable of so much, capable of incredible compassion, capable of engineering these incredible architectural feats all around the world, capable of doing so many things. And then we get these little red bumps on our face or big red bumps on our face. And all of a sudden, all of that light can can dwindle right into darkness. It is just amazing to me. So I first have compassion for you, mama, who's writing in and for your baby, whatever age you are, I'm calling you baby because you are, you're amazing and you're beautiful and do not ever forget that. Now, I want to say that it's easy for us as grownups to look back and say, you know, I mean, I went through some acne and I don't know, Ed, if you had that experience. I did. Okay. So, you know, look, it happens to everyone, right? It happens to almost everyone goes through some kind of bout of it during puberty, or maybe even some people have it their entire lives. But what I want to say is this, right? Attractiveness goes far beyond your looks. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But the first thing is, you know, as a parent, when your kid is dealing with this, it's very easy to do what I just did, because that's how I feel so deeply inside to tell your kid that they're so beautiful, and they're so amazing. And they are and you should say those things, but you say them, and you don't invalidate what they're feeling, right? This is a big deal in their life. But what you do need to do is say, I get that this is a big deal and, right, we use the word and a lot on this show. So not but, we're not invalidating. And this is temporary. It's not permanent, right? That is the first thing. In whatever way we can get that across, that needs to be something that is foundational. This is temporary and it's not permanent. Depending on your kid, one of the things that can be really Mm, convincing, I think, let's say for them, persuasive, the persuasive argument is really the science. Because what's going on here when we don't look the way we want to look? 
right? And for some people, it's acne. For other people, it's a permanent, a more permanent feature. So maybe it's their ears that they don't like. They stick out too much or they're too little or they're attached to their head or whatever, you know, whatever the issue is with the ears. I had a friend that play, that did a lot of wrestling and so he had a cauliflower ear. Oh, <laughs> is wow. that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. And he would always grow his hair long to cover it up. So whatever the part- particular thing is, you know, we all have one of those things. So what is it about that thing that is attracting so much of our mental bandwidth? Why are we hyper-focusing on it, right? What happens to all of the other amazing things about us, wonderful things about us, right? And in the letter that the, um, that the mom sent, she said that he once had, he was vibrant and he was confident and he had healthy self-esteem, right? So, and now because of the acne, those things are hidden. They're still there, but they're hidden. So what do you think, Ed, it is about these things, about the things about our looks, even if they're small, right? But they become big in our mind. Well, I think, I mean, I think it's, I think, I don't think it's what, it's what's physically happening. It's, it's how you see yourself, and and the thing that happens is we're not trained to practice or to become aware of how we see ourselves period and so if there's something that you don't like about the way you look you immediately react to that and you start saying things to yourself i'm ugly i don't like the way i look nobody else will like me i must not be good enough I, all of these things you, you say over and over again to yourself. So it's not, it's not the physical thing. It's what we say to ourselves when in response to not knowing how to talk to ourselves, basically how to, how to talk to ourselves. And then this is what brings it up. So I think that you're right. I think that's what happens. We have thoughts about what other people are thinking about the way that we look, and that affects our own perception of our own attractiveness. But here's the thing, right? Those thoughts are often very inaccurate. And here's where the inaccuracy is. What we know from the science is when you get to know somebody over time, it makes them more attractive to you. How can that be? How can you look at someone and let's say they don't they don't change that much. You look at someone today, you meet them for the first time, you make a judgment about their looks, and then a year from now you get to really 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 know them and they become they're more attractive than when you first saw them. Nothing much has changed about them, right? Right. So this is called the exposure effect. And it's really about the fact that you increase familiarity with someone and you really get to know their personality and you interact with them in a face-to-face setting. And when that happens, the more that happens, the more people feel attracted to one another. So what I'm trying to say is, is that attraction, which is the thing, you know, even if your child is not at the age, I'm not just talking about, you know, attraction where romantic attraction, I'm talking about likability, right? The ability to form relationships that are meaningful. It's It's more than about just looks, because I think when something is plaguing the way that we look naturally, like acne, for example, right? It's like, this is not who I really am. This is, I don't want to show up in the world like that. But you're showing up in the world far more than what your skin is showing. And kids really need to know that. And I have found that kids like the science, no matter what age they are. In the work that we do, we talk to kids age four and five about the science and make it really accessible to them. So when you're in a conversation with your child, and it can be acne, it can be any any other body image issue, right? 
I would invite you to talk to them about the exposure effect. I would invite you to research a little bit about it, right? And there's also something called the reward theory of attraction. So the more somebody's presence makes us feel good, the more we prioritize that relationship. And so your son that is experiencing this, and I know, you know, when we come back around and I'm going to say this, it's going to sound trite, but the truth is that they just need to be themselves. They need to lean on the character strengths that they have, and you really need to help him see those strengths. So, you know, at nighttime, you can talk about strengths, strength stories, for example. And if your child is not open to talking about their strengths because they're like, oh, you're just trying to make me feel better, then tell a story about yourself. You like today, you know what? I really had to use humor because I was going through this super challenging thing and I'm funny. One of my strengths is humor. And so I used humor when this happened. And actually, this did happen to me. I know this sounds totally ridiculous, but I walked into a wall and there were like 10 people watching. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just started. And I know that's like physical humor when no one's you know, no one was hurt. I wasn't hurt, but I was embarrassed. So I just started laughing. And so that would be a story that you would share. Like I used my humor because I could have just walked back to my office <laughs> totally humiliated. Yeah. But instead, I got a good laugh out of it. Now I'm telling, I'm, of course, this is a little bit lighter. That was a very temporary situation, right? Mm. But it is honestly analogous to what we're talking about. We have to use our strengths in the face of challenges and we have to be able to lean on our strengths. So talking to your child about what kind of strengths they have and how they use them can really help them feel like they want to bring out their personality with other people. Absolutely. In spite of, despite of, because of, in addition to, whatever, whatever the phrase is, the acne right? That is part of what's going on with their body right now. It's a natural part of what's going on most likely, right? But there's hormonal changes and there's a million different things that can contribute to it. And it can be very temporary. But one thing that's not temporary is their awesomeness. Right. And you use the word, you talk about superpowers for certain ages, you know, superheroes, superpowers. Well, everyone has uh, has one within themselves. And, you know, we, you talk about, too, what's right with this picture. So you're saying it's not, it's temporary. Validation, you really are in, I see that you're in a lot of pain right now. I see that you're really giving yourself a hard time right now. I, I mean, I see it. It's awful. It's awful to feel that way. It doesn't feel good. And that, and so now you're validating and then you're looking at strengths and you're saying, okay, I got it. I got what you, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Now, let's talk a little bit about what's right with this picture because we've seen what's, we've heard about the other side. Let's talk about what's right with this picture. Let's talk about who you are, what your strengths are, like you're saying, what you're best at, what you're good at, what you like to do, what you love to do. And let's focus on And this on is that. hard because I can totally hear the conversation in my head, Ed, if you were saying that to me and I was a kid and I would be like, Dad, stop trying to make me feel better. Okay, let's do it. Let's you do don't it. know what it's like. Let's do it. You, right? you keep with that voice and I'll say, as your dad, I'll say. Let's get ready, people. Quiet on the set. You don't know what it's like, Dad. You don't know going to school and everyone is staring at you and all they're thinking about are those things on your face and what's wrong with you and you have a pizza face. You know what? I have to tell you, and and I hear that. I really, I, I get that. You say that I don't know what it's like. I'll tell you, I had acne. 
and I went to school. I used to have to take pills for it. I used to have to, have to mix powder. I was like a chemist. I had to I had to take this tetracycline, this crazy medicine, and I had to I had creams. I had a whole thing. I had a whole team of people. I had makeup people. I had cameras. Now I'm telling you. I went into school and I thought nobody would like me because of this. So I do know a little bit about how it feels. I know a little bit about how it feels. But you know what? It changed. It didn't last. I don't want it to go that long. And I'm sorry that you had to go through that, but it still is really hard for me. Yeah. You know, I mean, no one's going to like me when I have this face. No one. Well, I don't even like me. Well, that's what I want to talk about. That's we, we need to. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. You don't like you. And let's get in there and see, okay, let me talk to the part of you that does that. Let me talk to a different part of you. Let's assume that there are different people. Okay. One person in there says that you don't even like you. I wonder if there's another person that I can talk to in there. Or let's put it this way What would a friend say to you if you said things this way? What would you say to your friend? Okay. Who's your best friend now? Tammy. Okay. I'm coming to you as Tammy now. Just pretend. But she has perfect skin. Okay. But. You, she does have perfect skin, but let's let's just say that Tammy, I'm getting the worst grades in the world. I can't believe that I got a I got a D on a test. My parents are going to kill me. I can't do this. What should I do? I'm so dumb. I'm so Tammy, dumb. Come on, you're not dumb. Just because you got a D on a test doesn't mean you're dumb. It just means you had a bad test. Oh, you know that I, that test was hard. Actually, I don't. I don't know that. I don't. I only did a little better because I studied really, really hard. Remember, you had the game the night before. That test was really hard. So you're willing to tell Tammy those kind of things. You're giving her an accurate picture of what's going on. How is it that you can give that to Tammy, but you can't give it to yourself? It's in there. You didn't even have to think about it. You're a great friend. So we really need to take a look at what kind of friend you are but to yourself. But dad, okay, let's say that I'm I'm not so hard on myself, okay? Let's say that I'm not saying those things about myself, but it doesn't make my skin better. I want it to go away. Yeah, I hear you, honey. It's a, You want it to go away. You want it to disappear. You want your skin to be smooth. Totally hear you. Totally hear you. And that's what's happening right now. But... The things that you say to yourself, being a friend to yourself, that doesn't have to go away. That can be there too. And some of the things that you said to your friend Tammy, you can say to yourself. If you can say them to her, you deserve it too. You can say it to yourself. So let's talk about what that would be. What would that sound like? Now, it has to be realistic for you. We don't want to sugarcoat it. But what would you say to somebody who came to you and said, I hate my skin, I hate myself. This is a friend now. I would say it's not so bad. Probably everybody else doesn't notice it as much as you do because everyone else has other stuff going on too. And it's going to go away. So just try not to think about it. Well, there you go. That's one thing that you can, so, so there's something that you can say to yourself. And you know what I was really interested in is how you said it, because the tone, like how you sounded was like somebody who cared about the person, like a friend. So that is in there. So maybe we can imagine you 
as a friend to yourself, we can imagine you as, as, as talking to a friend. Let's, even if it's not something that you think about yourself, let's get it out in the open and just listen to the tone. You know, we might even record you. I want you to hear the sound of your voice because that person is inside of you. That advice, that friend is there all the time, even in your worst moments. And I want you to hear. Oh my goodness. I have to stop you because I love breaking out of role play. I love that idea, Ed. I love the idea that when your child is receptive to doing this, that they can record a self-compassion meditation for themselves, saying kind and compassionate words like they would treat a friend. And that way they can play it to themselves because it is that inner gremlin that gets the best of us. You know, in Buddhism, they always talk about two arrows that are flying our way. So the first one is the actual bad event. So for your child, you know, the mama that wrote in, this is the acne, right? The actual bad thing, the objective thing that we're looking at. But the second arrow is the suffering that we put on top of it. And what we really have a lot more control over is that suffering. So I love that idea. It's beautiful. This entire show is going to be one letter, by the way. Yes, we spend a lot of time on this letter. But I I will just say to whoever wrote this, to, to the parent and any parent that's listening, those strengths, those things don't go away. And I know as a parent, you're thinking, oh, my God, my child is suffering and that's going to be permanent. And it's not going to be permanent. It's awful to see them suffer like this. But you can do these things with him and put a lot of, you know, the friend model is a really good constructive thing because as Whenever you're talking to somebody else, you're always loving and kind. Always. So try try that. And try, and when things settle down, this is not when they're in the height of their emotional state, but when things settle down and they talk as a friend, record them. Get them to record it. Make it like a little, little project. And then let's hear what that voice, let them hear what that voice sounds like. I don't think people can hear that enough in their lives. No, no, definitely not. And even the contrast between the the hypercritical voice and the compassionate voice can be so eye-opening and jarring for us. Oh my goodness, why am I talking to myself like that, right? It's amazing. So recording is a brilliant idea. And the clarity. Okay, we're going to go on to another letter. Why don't you, why don't you... uh, My child is 11. Let's try this one. Okay. Okay, my child is 11. He's very quiet and fairly private. I relate. He is very reluctant to talk about anything emotional, especially his worries and anxieties. He gets embarrassed easily, and I suspect he may feel shame about his feelings. I'm not always sure how to help him when he's not willing to share what his fears are. His younger brother is very willing to share his feelings, and the 11-year-old will often try to shush his younger brother when he thinks he's sharing too much. Okay, so what should I do about this, right? She's, I really relate to this because I was the kid that hid everything from everyone, especially my parents. They thought I was smiley and happy, a slapped on the smile. What's the saying? There's a saying for that, right? Put a smile, yeah, put on a happy face. Put on a happy face. That was it. Right. right. <laughs> you guys know I don't know any sayings. So <laughs> I was going to add, what's the saying? I know there's a saying. I know I'm close. Yeah, it's something about a happy <laughs> okay. face, right? Okay. I was very, it was very difficult for me to share what I was feeling inside. I, in retrospectively, can analyze what I was going through. I mean, my best guesses are that I thought it made me weak 
even though my parents were you know, pretty open about sharing feelings. I didn't want to be vulnerable because I thought then that uh, that would hurt me more because I would have to confront the feelings, right? If you don't confront the feelings, you just pretend like everything's okay. And eventually you become a robot, which I did. So this is what I would say in an environment like this, when you're saying, tell me how you feel, how are you feeling? You know, (laughs) tell me about school, what's going on? Are you okay? And you're getting nada, right? You're getting nothing. Mm -hmm. Then what you do is you create an environment where everyone else is talking about feelings and you're talking about the feelings of others and you're sharing your own fears Mm. and you're making it very normal in your household to talk about emotions and to talk about navigating emotionally challenging situations. And with an 11 year old, you can even do a little bit of play therapy still, right? This might not be dolls, obviously, maybe it's some video game figures, maybe they're into Fortnite, and you can use those action figures, but you can you can play things out in an environment that they relate to. Or you can even do it with movie characters, right? You can be watching a movie together and talking about... So you're removing it. You're removing it from them. You're doing one or two degrees of separation so they don't have to talk about themselves until they are comfortable enough to do it. Mm. That's, uh, yeah, that's... You can model it. You can model it. Also, the other, the other, the secondary benefit is your kid will start to see you as a person, and it's good that they have the protection that, that, that you're their parent and you're there to help them and you're there to guide them. But really, it's very interesting when your kid sees you as a, as a person and as a vulnerable person. You know, sometimes my, sometimes my daughter will say to me is, I never see you cry. And it makes me a little bit sad because I probably, you know, there's a lot going on in there. And maybe I need to give myself more of a, an opportunity to share, you know, when I when I'm sad, you know, and to not put a happy face on everything as a parent. So you you model it when you're able to and create conversations around. I think that's that's really the you know, that's a good thing. And, and the, the sense of play is really a cool thing. And the sense of exaggeration is the other thing. You know, you may not be an actor, but you can certainly play with a character and you can, you know, exaggerating things actually might even make somebody laugh. And, you know, I do that with my daughter sometimes where, you know, I'll try to go higher than she goes. Like whatever. First, I'll try to validate what she's saying. Can you give us an example? You know, there may be a struggle. There may be something going on. There may be an issue. And then I'll just say, well, this is just the worst day of my life, you know, and, I, and I'll fall on the floor and I'll, <laughs> I'll just say, I cannot go on. Because this is the worst day of my, you know, and I'll, and I'll do a voice and I'll do a thing. And she starts to laugh, you know, at first she may not. And then I just keep going because that's the kind of person I am. <laughs> so, so she's like, dad, stop. Yeah. But you keep doing yeah. it because you just, you just I can't. Know. But I yeah. also know that you were going to break through to another, another part. And then if she doesn't, then I turn on my, then I make fun of myself. And so I want to say one more thing too about this, because again, I was that child that didn't talk to my parents. I didn't open up to them. And I love my parents. They're amazing, supportive, compassionate, beautiful people, right? But I did not want to open up to them because this is what I would think in my head. The words going through my head, that ticker tape was, they don't get it. They don't understand my experience. I mean, my parents are immigrants. So in in my case, I was thinking, well, they didn't grow up here, so they don't really know what it's like, right? But whatever the words were in my head, what it equated to was they don't really understand me. And so 
what needs to happen, and I'm not saying that your 11-year-old is thinking the same thing, but the people that we open up to the most are the people that we feel understand us understand our experience and get us. And so we need to be deeply connected to our child in order to do that. And again, I'm not saying that there's any lack of love. I'm not saying that there is intended lack of connection, but we need to find a way to connect with our kids. And that can be indirect. It doesn't need to be directly about what fears and anxieties they're experiencing. This can be sharing a common interest, right? This can be getting on the ground and playing with our child. This can be doing a little bit of roughhousing with them and like connecting with them physically on that level. This can be sharing 10 minutes of special time with them. This can be just, again, getting into what they're into, joining their flow. So that if they have an activity that puts them into flow, then joining that activity with them and connecting with them. Because when we bridge that connection, right, when we create that bridge between ourselves and our child and our worlds really intersect, it's when they open up to us. It's when any of us open up to someone. And your intention, you know, and, and we, we, Rini and I worked with a, a, fr- a friend, somebody who's great, Jennifer Kalari, and you'll see some things about her, but she has this technique called the calm technique. And she talks about your intention, what your intention is as a parent. And when your child is in distress, you're, you want to fix it. What she's been saying is that the intention, the only intention is to connect with your kid. That's what you're after. You want to connect. And so let go of the solving of the problem. Oh my God, my kid has anxiety. He's not, she's not sharing. What do I do? How do I get him to share? Let it go. Connect with him. What's he into? What is she into? What is she interested in? What is she doing? How do I join it? Like you're saying, join the flow. But the intention is not to get them to open up. The intention is just to connect with them. And then they open up. That is beautiful. And I have another letter. Do you want to read the next letter? Sure. My son often tells me. My son often tells me. Hang on. I'm looking. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Okay. My son often tells me he has tummy aches when his teacher makes him move his clip down on the behavioral chart in front of his classmates. He gets nervous because most of the time his teacher doesn't tell him what he did wrong nor help him understand what he can do to help make it better. From the first move down the behavioral chart, his day becomes a stressful day for him. What can I do to help him through this through his embarrassment and anxiety? Yeah, you know, this reminds me of a book that I have with my kids. I'm laughing because I think it's there's so many absurd things <laughs> happening in my brain right now. Really, a behavioral chart, we still do this with a paperclip or something that you move up and down. I mean, don't get me started. But my kids and I read this book and there's a girl named Magnolia in it and her teacher, whenever she gets in trouble, writes her name on the board and then they underline it for one more wrong thing. Then they check mark it for one more wrong thing. And then after the third check mark, you go to the principal's office. <laughs> I thought we have evolved beyond this point, but apparently not, where we have behavioral charts that we are putting clips on and then we make kids move that clip. Of course, you're going to feel embarrassed. I mean, the goal of that exercise is to shame you into good behavior, right? And so I feel for your child, the tummy ache, of course, Ed and I are not doctors. Ed, you didn't get an MD during this last week, did you? I did, No, actually. (laughs) You did, you did. Please call me Dr. Krasnick. Ed is a fake pediatrician. Mm-hmm. I'm a fake one. <laughs> Don't go to Ed. I'm a fake doctor. He's a fake doctor. Okay, so make sure that you go to your doctor, of course, to make sure the tummy ache is has nothing to do with anything else. But if it is anxiety related, well, of course, it's embarrassing. 
right? It is embarrassing to go up and to move a clip down and you're not being told why. Okay, so here's the thing. So now we're dealing with the feeling of embarrassment. And earlier in the episode, we were talking about first and second arrow, right? So that thing that happened is the first arrow. Now, how do we react to this? which is what your child has control over, right? So they're having a tummy ache. They're feeling embarrassed. You know, they're maybe feeling ashamed for what has happened. And so I read an interesting study called The Importance of Feeling Awkward. <laughs> I love how people run studies like that, by the way. It's mm. <laughs> so awesome. Important it's feeling like, awkward. Oh, yeah, I went to school for 18 million years and now I'm doing a study on awkwardness. Isn't that great? I love it. I love that. Hey, that's a whole study. I, I, I think that should be a musical. <laughs> <laughs> so they have found in the study that simply saying awkward can actually oh minimize the stress. That is genius. <laughs> That I'm going to take with me. Say it again. Say it the way you said it. Awkward. I, okay, you know what? I knew We need to deeply read the study and see if there was anything about a tone in there. But I know the word was there. Oh <laughs> Simply God. saying awkward that... can minimize the stress. I, but you can probably, you know, I, I bet you like we don't need a PhD to explain it. Ed, explain why that works. Well, you're you're making you're saying how you you're saying what the feeling is, but you're demyst you're demystifying it by using humor and saying, "Look, this is this is awkward. This is how I feel. It's fantastic. You're taking the sting out of it, and you're taking the sting away. Of, you know, you're saying I have a greater perspective than this moment, and my clip doesn't define me." That is exactly right. We are not going to be afraid of these feelings anymore. Okay. Everyone, we're not going to do it anymore because I did that for the first half of my life. We are going to treat these feelings as communication and we are going to teach our kids, oh, you were, you were feeling embarrassed? Where were you feeling it? Oh, you were feeling it in your stomach? Because guess what? We feel feelings in our bodies before we feel it in our mind. So good. You located it. It's trying to tell you something. What is it telling you? That you're feeling awkward and you're hoping not to feel that way again. What's the action you could take? Right. So this is the choice. What's the action you can take? So the first thing is name the feeling. The second thing is, where is it in your body? Right. Or first, where is it in your body? Second, name it. And then third, what is it telling you? What is it communicating to you? And then fourth, what action can you take? Right. So what happens to us as parents, and we often talk about this, is our child comes home and they tell us the story and then we have more anxiety than they had during the experience. And then we, sh all, we shut it all down. Because now they don't want to feel the feeling and we don't want to feel the feeling, right? Our feeling is also communicating to us. Oh my goodness, my child can't handle this. Oh my goodness, they were uncomfortable in school. Oh my goodness, I can't handle it. Now it's reminding me of, of my childhood, right? And all of this can be, we can, we can shortcut this. I'm not saying to go around it. I'm saying we're still going to go through the feelings, but we can go through them in a much easier, more methodical way by saying, okay, that was horrible. I wish you didn't have to go through that but it sounds like you were embarrassed, right? And let's talk about what we can do differently next time. Yeah, that's that's really interesting that you can, you know, the feelings are trying to tell you something and that they're messages. And let's say that I'm this kid, you know, and my clip just moved down again and I can't believe it and my stomach hurts. And you tell me, tell me in action what I can do, okay? Quiet on the set, let's go. Roll them. Mom, it happened again. It happened again. They moved my clip down again. They moved my clip down. And it, it, why does she have to do that? And it makes me feel so bad. And everybody sees that my clip is moving down and I feel bad about myself. What should I do? My stomach hurts. 
I hear you, Eddie. Oh my goodness. They do the clip thing in school still. That happened to me too. That sounds like, so your tummy hurts or it was hurting? It hurts. Yeah, it still hurts. Well, do you know, okay, I'm sorry, honey. Do you know what that is? Your tummy ache? I don't know. It just feels bad. Well, I'll tell you what, it's not the lunch that I made for you because that was a good peanut butter sandwich, okay? That tummy ache is feeling, what do you think? What what did you feel? Can you name it? Can you name the feeling? Nervous. Nervous. Scared. Scared. Yes. So you're nervous and you're scared. And the funny thing about feelings is they show up in our body. So the feeling woke your tummy up. It's like, hey, knock, knock, you're nervous and you're scared. And so that feeling wants you to do something. That feeling is just a message. But it made me feel bad. I know. I hear that. So your tummy ache and maybe you even felt scared, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you shouldn't be scared of the feeling because the feeling is just telling you something. Maybe you felt a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. So listen, what did you do? What did you do after that? What happened? Well, I just felt bad and I didn't want to talk to anybody. Okay, I'm going to teach you a trick, okay? Okay. Next time it happens, I want you to say this. You can say it softly to yourself. You don't have to say it to your teacher, right? Because we don't want to be disrespectful. You can say, awkward. That's awkward. Awkward. Yes. Okay. You want to practice? Okay. Okay, let's practice. Okay, so uh, what happened right before she asked you to get up and go do it? I was making a joke and I was making somebody laugh. Okay. So why don't you go ahead and do that? I'm going to pretend to be your teacher, okay? Okay. So so then anyway, and anyway, Jimmy fell down on his butt. <laughs> it was like it was all over Eddie, his butt. Eddie Krasnick. Eddie Krasnick. Eddie Krasnick, listen to me. Get up here right now and move your clip down one notch. Oh, no. Sorry. Do you see this here? I hope to make an example of this. Sorry. Move your clip down one notch. You know what to do. Go. Okay. Okay. (sighs) Everybody's looking at me. I hate this. Why does she have to pick on me all the time? Okay, Eddie, use your word. Awkward. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I couldn't stay and roll. That was just too funny. (laughs) It is awkward. It is awkward. So call it what it is. It's awkward. And go through the feeling. And our goal here is not to get stuck in the feeling. Feelings come and go. They are temporary. They are messengers. They're like pigeons, okay? They want to drop the letter off and then they want to fly away. But the problem is, is that we hold on to them and then they get stuck inside of us, okay? So let the pigeon go by saying awkward and let the pigeon go as the child and let the pigeon go as the parent. And anyone who's listening in the middle of this podcast will have no idea what we're talking about because we're singing awkward and we're talking about pigeons. But I stand by it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, we're reading letters. This is our special letter episode. And we have a letter from a parent who is telling us about her son feeling embarrassed because of a behavior that he did. And the teacher 
has him move a clip down on the on the board to indicate that he's he hasn't behaved well. So everybody can relate to that kind of shame, that sinking feeling. And she wants to talk him through his anxiety. So we're saying that feelings are messages and that you can say the word awkward to literally name the situation. Okay, this is an awkward feeling. I mean, I think people should, I think adults should do this. I would love to hear somebody say awkward, awkward. I think it's great. It's awkward turtle. Um, so, so yeah. And so, you know what? I want to make one more side note because I know there's going to be someone out there who's listening, who's thinking, hey, what about the fact that at the, the kid was being disrespectful in class? You can, of course, have a separate conversation about paying attention and staying focused and the reason that the teacher called them out in the first place. Absolutely, of course. So this isn't about permissive parenting where the child gets to do anything. This is we're more focused on having them go through and process and navigate and transform feelings. So I just wanted to make that note. And you know what is so exciting? We get to read a couple success stories now. Oh, I love that. I love that. This is, is, is the, this isn't a question. Do you want to read that one? You want, yes. Okay. So this isn't a question, but a very happy story I wanted to share. It's about my seven-year-old. I don't usually think of her as a child with anxiety since compared to my 10-year-old, she looks like the most well-adjusted, confident kid there is, but she does have her moments. Usually the subject is being scared when she and I have to be apart. Okay. So a little separation anxiety. One recent Sunday night at bedtime, she started crying and telling me she didn't want to go to school the next day because she didn't want to be away from me. She'd been out sick the previous Thursday. Thursday and Friday, so the next Monday was going to be her first day back. I hadn't told her about Whittle from the Gozen programs yet, so I took out the iPad and I pulled up the videos after receiving Rini's masterclass a few months ago. My daughter was immediately hooked. After watching the videos, I started to talk to her about my worry, who, by the way, is a little mouse named Frenzy, <laughs> and my what ifs. <laughs> it's cute. At drop-off to school, I said, you and Till and Whittle have a great day, and I got a big smile. I had kind of forgotten about it by pickup, but as soon as she got in the car, she said it was a good day today, Mama. It really helped. As if that weren't amazing enough, after we got home, she wrote me a note that said, Dear Mama, today was great. Me and Whittle had a good time. I just had to tell you how it all played out because it was so freaking amazing and wonderful. Oh my God. What a, a complete, that's, that's an incredible letter. That's so powerful. So here's a kid and she's, she's incorporating this into her life at such a young age, seven years old. Think about yourself and if you had a context for the things that were going on in your, in your mind, in your thoughts and in your feelings and how that would have changed your, your path. I just, I am so touched by that. I love to hear the stories that really paint a picture for how these tools can be used. And Whittle and Till are the characters that we use in the Gozen programs. They're to personify the thinking brain and the emotional brain, but you can use anything at home, you know, with your kids. So thank you so much for that story. And then we have one more, Ed, if you want to read it. Is this as a new preschool teacher? No. That's right. Okay. As a new preschool teacher, the tidal wave of chaos crept at the same time every day. The morning hustle was as a new was through, and now we have 12 hungry toddlers sitting before me. Miles from the day's start, yet somehow miles from the glorious relief of nap time. Thank you. I'm very familiar with that. I knew this feeling was coming at the same time every day, yet I still 
had let the moment attack me just the same. After weeks, months of sucking down my flustered state like air was going out of style, I decided this would be a good moment to do some quick, deep breathing. Nothing fancy, no time for fancy. Still unclear as to how to integrate mindfulness strategies with a pack of toddlers, I decided to start with myself. Bingo! So I began to take three to five deep breaths every day before we all recited our lunchtime song together. After a few days, I looked around and noticed that most of my children were doing it with me. As soon as this self-preservation tool became part of the group routine, it was simple, it was powerful. They would watch me slowly, methodically, and follow my breaths. They started looking forward to it. This momentary reset became a touchstone of peace in my day. Did I sit them down and explain the benefits of mindful breathing to their nervous systems? Did they stop behaving like impulsive, ego-driven, age-appropriate toddlers? Of course not. But that moment of connection and pause bolstered us with just enough calm to ride the wave into the next phase of our day. If we want to establish calm, we have to start with ourselves. Whoa. First of all, congratulations. That That's so powerful because you're, you have to model it. And when you model it, everybody feels it. It's so much better than talking about it. Do it. Breathing is something that we all do. Conscious breathing is something that not a lot of people do, but you can. And even as a problem resolution, take a pause. See what happens when you pause. Pausing is very powerful. Not to uh, steer away from what this person is talking about, because this is brilliant. This is a teacher and toddlers. Look at how they pick it up. Look at how powerful it is. Oh my God, my teacher is breathing. I don't know what she's doing, but let's, maybe I can copy her. Looks like it makes her feel better. This is a powerful statement and more powerful than anything that I just said. So I think it's amazing. And I thank you all so much for listening and for sharing and for reviewing the podcast. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit shy about asking you guys to do that but I have to tell you that it's really helpful in getting the word out there so we would love if you haven't reviewed the podcast on iTunes or any of the places where you listen to Dear Anxiety it's amazingly helpful to spreading the word Okay, so where do we find that, Ed? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. You go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash Dear Anxiety. Awesome. And if you guys want to send us a letter, now that we've figured out how to read them, <laughs> you can do that at gozen.com forward slash Dear Anxiety. There's a form there. Or if you just want to send an email, you can send it to go at gozen.com. Go at gozen.com. Well, this has been really interesting. We want to do this again. We want to do it regularly. So write in, send a recording, tell us what's going on. Tell us about your successes. Tell us about your struggles. Share with us. We're all in it together. No one's an expert. We're all learning together. And thank you for listening. I'm Ed Krasnick. I'm Rini Jane. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. Thank you guys. See you next time.